All right, so here we go. We are continuing on in our series of uh, not, not conformed, about not being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the renewal of our minds. And so we are in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so let's go before the Lord in prayer, and we will dive into God's word. Lord, I thank you for this morning and for uh, just the time that we've had up to this point. God, you're so gracious and good to us. We thank you that we get to, 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 to fellowship, to celebrate you, to worship you, and to have, a, to have a good time in your presence with your people. And God, I just pray that as we open your word, as we unpack what it means to have our minds renewed, God, I pray that you would challenge us and that you would encourage us, that, that we would leave changed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So as we continue on, this is part two. And I just want to introduce the subject of being uh, transformed by the renewal of our mind with this thought to kind of connect it back to last week. You know, we are called to be running men, running men and women. We're called to be runners. You guys like to run? I don't like to run. My wife liked to run for a season there. She, I remember uh, two or three houses back, a uh, house we were living in, in South Down West. She was like, you know, I would like to start running. Would you, do, you, do you want to run with me? I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try it out. And so we charted out how long a mile was in South Down West from our house. So we get out there, it's in the morning, I'm ready to go, and, and I get a quarter mile, and that is it. That is all I can do was a quarter mile. I am huffing and puffing, and, and so I basically kind of walked, jogged, the rest of the way, I got back, I laid on my couch, I just, I was, I was incapacitated for the rest of the day. It was terrible. I am not a good runner physically. I am not in good shape. To play golf, I don't have to run. It's just a simple motion. It's, it's this way, and it's move the hips and hit the ball. That's it. I don't, I don't have to run. And then I get in my golf cart and I, and I ride. So I like that type of physical uh, activity, but not running. But in spiritually speaking, we are called to be runners. As men and women of God, we're called to be runners. This is what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says this, but as for you. Now, right before he says, as for you, he has just warned Timothy about false teachers that are greedy for money, that are greedy after, after things they should not be greedy after, that are filled with lust, they're false teachers, and he says this, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Two active words there, flee and pursue. And you know what? You do those at the same time. If I'm fleeing from something, right? I'm leaving what corrupts. If I'm doing that, then that means at the same time I'm pursuing what is godly. It's the same motion. Just in that same motion of running from what corrupts, I'm pursuing what is righteous, what is good, what is holy, what is pleasing to the Lord. So I just want to tell us that that's kind of a picture of what it means to not be conformed to the world. That we are running from what corrupts. Running from what the world is trying to, to force into our life. The ideologies that are not lined up with biblical truth. We're fleeing those things. And at the same time, in the same motion, we are pursuing God and His plan and His righteousness and what is pleasing to Him. We're called to be running men and women. Do not be conformed to this world. Flee those things and pursue 
what is right. And so now let's go back to the text, Romans 12, 1 and 2. We've established not being conformed. Let's see what it says. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We talked about that last week, what it means to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, or other translations say your, your reasonable service. Your rash, it's the only rational thing to do is to be a living sacrifice to the Lord because of all that he's done for us and in us. Do not be conformed to this world. And then now this week, we're gonna look at this one phrase right here, but be transformed by the renewal of, of your mind. Be transformed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And next week, we're going to look at that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I have three thoughts I want us to look at this morning about the renewal of our minds. And, I, and we kind of established this last week, but I, I want to go back at it just a little bit here within this first thought. This is kind of a foundational thing that we need to continue to be reminded of. First thing is this. There is a battle for your mind. There is a battle for your thoughts. The battleground in your life as a believer is your thinking, is your brain. There's a battle for your brain. And we see this for how you'll think, for how you will think, because how you think will influence how you live and what you value. And we see this battle in 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to to destroy strongholds. Now listen to this. We destroy arguments, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You see a pattern there? Where does the battle rage? Arguments, opinions, knowledge of God, and every thought. It's in our mind. It's in our thinking. What are we going to believe? As believers in Jesus Christ, what are we going to believe? Are we going to allow the word of God to be the primary influence in our thinking or are we going to allow the ways of the world to influence our thinking? Because the way in which you think will be the way in which you live. What influences your thinking will eventually get get into your hands with what you do and get into your feet with where you go. Get into your mouth with how you talk. I was fishing with my son yesterday and he outfished me. We were catching some perch uh, back uh, in our subdivision and... um, Catching some perch back there. And, and he caught seven, I caught four. I think his worms were, were better than my worms. And, but he, he's just a good fisherman. He's learning how to be a good fisherman. And, and, and it was just interesting. There were some young men in the neighborhood that were back there. And were back in the corner back there. And, and I could just hear. Me and Joel were there fishing. And they were back in the distance. And I just heard one curse word after another curse word. And these are kids that are Joel's age a little older, a little younger, and it just, and I looked at Joel, I said, Joel, you, 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 you hear him? I said, I'm, I'm sorry about that, you know, and, and I just began to think about influences in our lives. You know, those, those boys are just repeating things that they hear other people say, other friends say. They're repeating things they, they see in movies and on television, and it is absolutely true. What you put into your mind, there is a battle for your thinking. What you put into your mind will eventually be what you talk about. You're going to talk about the things that influence your thinking. It, it is bound to happen. That is, that is how it is set up. And God has designed it to be that, 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 that when we consume what is godly, what is holy, what is pleasing to him, when we take that in, it influences the way in which we live. But we can't be naive 
and live in this world and be, be naive and not realize that there is a battle for our thinking. That the world is trying to press into our lives through our eye gates, through our ear gates. And that we must be vigilant. The battleground in our life as believers is in our mind. This is where the enemy seeks to win victories in our life. And his strategy has never changed. You remember back in Genesis, we're, we're not going to read that whole section in, in Genesis 3 that I had in my notes. I'm just going to paraphrase here. But do you remember in, in Genesis where the serpent comes to Eve? And, and she begins to talk to Eve. He begins to talk to Eve. And, and, and he begins to plant seeds of doubt in her mind. And there are specific things that the serpent says. And there's really three categories for it. And, and the strategy of, of the enemy that we see in Genesis 3, the strategy of the enemy in our life is to get us to think incorrectly about God, about ourselves, and about what matters most in this life. He wants us to think incorrectly about God about ourselves, and about what matters most in this life. And how were these arguments, these lies that the enemy gave to Eve, what did they look like? This is what he said when he first came to Eve. Did God really say? Did God really say that you can't eat of of the fruit, of any of the fruit in the garden? You can only eat of of this one, you, you, you can't eat from this one tree? Did God really give those parameters? Did God really give those guidelines? Can you trust God's words? And then he said, He said this later, he said, for God knows that if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God. God is withholding something good from you. So this is the first lie. Satan tempts us to doubt God's word and his goodness. He tempts us to doubt God's words and his goodness. And I'm telling you, in this culture today, as, as, as Chad and Kaiser were talking, that's the world in which we live. We are all exiles in this life. We talked about that last week. We're exiles. We're foreigners. We're strangers. We believe in the authority of God's word and we have submitted our lives to it. And if you live like that in this culture, you are an exile. You are an exile. And here's where the lies come in. Listen, here's where the lies come in. Well, well if, if, if I really live according to biblical truth, I'm going to miss out on what is good in this life. That's what Satan was trying to tell Eve. God knows that if you know everything there is to know about good and evil, you take part in that knowledge, then, 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 you are, then, then you're going to be like him. You're going to have full knowledge. He's withholding something good from you. And that's where the battle is in our thinking. That, that's the beginning of that lie, that this idea that God's words can't be trusted and that God's not good and he's keeping something good from us. The next lie, the next thing he told The next thing he told Eve was this, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. That's Genesis 3, 5. Satan tempts us to have an elevated view of our importance. He tempts us to have an elevated view of our importance. And is that not where we live in this life today? Is that where we live? Everything is about us today. And we, we, if we're not careful, you can buy into the lies of this present age that you are the center of the universe and everything revolves around you. That is, that is why when people buy into those lies, that, that life is about you and about your happiness in, in this life, that's the primary reason we exist. When you buy into those lies, that's why eventually husbands leave wives for younger women. Wives get discouraged with their husbands and, and look in other avenues and places with other men. That's why people will pursue pleasure pleasure at, at, at all costs in their life because they bought into this lie in their thinking from the culture and ultimately from the enemy 
that we are the center of the universe. Life is not about us. We have to always be reminded that we were created. We're created beings. We are made in the image of God. We are intrinsically valuable because we're made by our creator. But if we're made by our creator, that means that our creator has a plan and a purpose for our life. It's not our plan and it's not our purpose. It is his plan and it is his purpose. And he has the right and the prerogative to do with us as his creations what he pleases. And it's our job to submit our life to his plans. Life is not about me. What did we talk about last week? We're called to be living sacrifices. And this is another of one of the subtle lies. Satan tempts us to have an elevated view of our importance. It's not about you and what you can get out of this life. It's about what God can do through you. Amen? It's about what God can do through you. Who can you impact? Who are you going to impact in your life? What is God going to do through your life to glorify his name for his kingdom purposes? The last thing this is, what, this is what happened here. That Eve saw that the tree was good for food, a delight to the eyes, to be desired to make one wise. The tree, she noticed, she looked, she saw that the tree was good for food. It looked good. It was a delight to her eyes. It was desirable to make one wise. Satan tempts us to live for the moment. To live for the moment. To live for what is desirable to the eye. To live for what is desirable to the eye. That's where we live how many commercials do you see on TV? It's always something new, always a new iPhone, always, always a new gadget, always a new something that we see that looks desirable, that looks good, and, and it, it will elicit these desires in our heart for things that aren't necessarily bad, that could be good things, but if we're not careful, we can buy into the, the lies of this culture that we always need more, we always need better, we always need what's new, but we have to resist. The battle is in our thinking. There is a battle in our life and it centers around the way we think. First John 2 says this, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. That means the, 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 the system of the world, not the people of the world. We're called to love the people of the world. It's talking about the, the system of thinking of the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What does that mean? It means you can't love the world and love the Lord at the same time. You can't love the world with all of your heart and love Jesus with all of your heart. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. The world's passing away. And so many people, they live for the here and now. They live for the moment. They lose the battle in the mind. Even believers, hear me, can lose the battle in the mind and can live their life pursuing temporary things. And in the end, we all know there's no U-Hauls at any of your funerals. Nobody's hitching a Penske truck or a U-Haul to the back of your surviving family. And you're not taking anything with you. But if we're not careful, we can just live our life for right now. And for here, and the things that we can accumulate, and this is what I would say, if that, is your, is that, if that is where you are in your life, you're losing the battle in your mind about what matters most in this life. And here's what I want to encourage us with as we transition here to the second thought. You can't be passive in this. You can't be passive in, in, this, in this world today. 
over spiritual matters. If you are passive in this world today about spiritual matters, you're going to get swept away. The current is too strong. I can't trust my flesh. You can't trust your flesh. You can't trust that you are going to be able to resist in the time of temptation. You cannot be passive in this matter. You have to be actively, as we said earlier, we've got to be running men. You can't be passive. You have to be actively fleeing what corrupts and pursuing what is righteous. Fleeing what is corrupt, pursuing what is righteous. You can't be stagnant or dormant. You have to be active. We cannot afford to be passive. Being passive places you at the mercy of the strong currents of non-biblical thoughts in our world today. It's the first thought I wanted to challenge us with, kind of linking back to what we talked about last week. There is a battle for our thinking to be conformed to this world. And so number two, the second thing we, we want to look at today is that our mind, our brain must be transformed. This is the text we're going to unpack here. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Our mind must be transformed through renewal, through renewal. So I want to establish something with us here this morning about us as believers. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, if anyone is in Christ, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? It's a new creation. The, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All believers in Jesus Christ have become new creations. We have been born again, just like Jesus said to Nicodemus. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? You must be born again. So what happens when you become a Christian. The old man is, is crucified, is buried with Christ, and only one new man rises up symbolically out of that water. When those precious, that brother and sister in Christ got baptized, that's what it symbolizes right there, is that, is that they are identifying with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. They are declaring to the world, I'm a believer. They, they went public with their faith today, and they declared to all of us as a family of God, They're believers in Jesus Christ. And what that symbolizes is that when we become a Christian, we are buried with Christ in his death. And through faith in Christ, we are raised to newness of life. So here's what it means to be a Christian. You are brand new. You are made alive. Romans 6 says this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We're brand new. We're new creations. And so our new nature, but here's here's where the rub is. Here's where the challenge is. Here's where the battle is. We must be transformed by the renewal of our brain. So here's what happens when you become a Christian. When that, that, that symbolic uh, movement in water baptism pictures that we are raised to newness of life, we walk in newness of life, but that new nature, your spirit man is, was dead, now it's alive. That new nature dwells in skin. You have an actual brain that's physical. You have an actual body that responds to your brain, sending signals to your body to move, to act. And so that brain, your brain, that was trained by your sinful nature tells you what, what you, you used to do this, you should do this again. You used to hang out with this people and you should hang out with these people again, but you have your spirit, you have your nature because you're new in Christ and your new nature in Christ warns you, tells you, the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you and tells you, no, mm, 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 don't do that, don't go there. That doesn't align with who you are. That's where the battle is. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying in Romans 12. 
Don't be like the world. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind must be made brand new. You must begin to have different thoughts. You must train your thinking. Have you ever tried to train your kids thinking from time to time? How easy is that to do? It's difficult to train our kids to think the way we want them to think because we know what's right, don't we? I know what's right all the time, Joel, all the time. And I'll apologize if I get it wrong, right? But, but, but that's the point, right? It, that's how our relationship is with the Lord. He, he has perfect knowledge. He knows everything about us, about the world. He created us. He created all that we see. And so this is what happens is that he wants us to submit to his will and to his ways. And he wants, he wants his truth to renew, make new our thinking. These pathways of thoughts that have been trained by our sinful nature that's dead or, or, or influencing from the world. These thoughts that come in, we must have our mind washed and renewed. Our new nature dwells in an unredeemed body. This unredeemed body is still subject to our fleshly desires. Our body, our flesh was trained by our old sinful nature. Our flesh, our body must now be trained by our new nature. Amen? What does God's word say? says that the word of God is the tool that the Holy Spirit uses to do the renewing. It is the word of God that the Holy Spirit uses to renew our thinking. That's what Ephesians 5 says. It says this is a parallel between husbands and wives, but also Christ and his church. It says that he, speaking of Christ, or as the husband, might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. It's the washing of the word of God. The word of God is like pure, clear, clean water. I was watching Shark Tank the other day. You guys watch Shark Tank? I just love watching Shark Tank for some reason. I love it. Uh, And uh, my son, Ellie and Joel, got me hooked on it. And uh, so I was watching Shark Tank and they had this guy with a water purifier system. And, he, and their business is set up to where, with this water purification system, they can make the water, they can make the purifier for your area. So whatever contaminants are in your water for your area, they do the research, you buy their product, and so they'll send you the product with the right type of chemicals inside that container that will filter the water in your area. And Mark Cuban partnered with the guy, and he got a deal, and I don't know what it's doing now, but, uh, you know, anyway, I thought about what we're talking about here this morning. Even with that type of purification of water, the word of God is the most pure. It is the most pure. When you think of the most pure water with no contaminants, that is the word of God. That's what the word of God is like because the Bible is the very words of God spoken from him. It is divinely inspired. It is profitable for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And it is like fresh, clean, pure water that washes our brain. So I have a brain here. It's a brain from Homer Christian School. I don't know if this is Mr. Jimmy's brain or not, but it came from the school. My wife always tells me when we get into arguments that she has a brain. So here's a brain. I thought about this too. They say that for teenagers, the frontal lobe is not fully developed. So it looks like it's not fully developed here. So this must be a teenager brain right here. <laughs> but either way, this is a brain, right? And this is, this is what it's like. Just think about all the, all the thoughts that we have. 
all the things, all the negative thoughts about God. Sometimes we have thoughts about God that are, are inaccurate. You know, we, we think that he's just a, a God up in heaven that's got a sledgehammer. And, and I loved what this sister said during baptism. She began to realize that God was actually chasing after her. And that when she was making mistakes, she was thinking that, that God was, was running from her. But actually, we need to think differently about God. As believers in Jesus Christ, we need to be reminded that God is faithful. And that he wants to discipline us and, and, tra- and, and train us. He's not up there with a sledgehammer ready to beat us down. We need some water that will wash that thinking out of our mind. We need to have the word of God wash that thought. That's not who God is. Some of us, we need to, we need to hear we need to hear the truth that God, God has a plan for our life. That, that, that just because we've made mistakes, just because we've blown it, doesn't mean that our life is over. And that God is a God of second chances, just like the prodigal son. He was running from his father. He wanted nothing to do with his father. We need to be reminded that, that our God is like, the prod, is like the father in Luke 15. He's running towards us to pursue us. We need those bad thoughts washed from our mind. We need our brain washed by the pure water of God's word. Those sinful thoughts that we have, the sin and the temptation, the temptation that comes through the world, through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that influences our thinking, the filth, the garbage that is in the world. We need the word of God to wash our minds, to purify our minds. Every day, every day your brain needs a bath. Do you know that? Every day I should have had a towel. I'm about to use that. But every day, our brain needs a bath. We need to be washed and cleansed. Our brain needs to be cleansed. You know, what, what scientists and smart people know that study the brain, the brain can, the brain can be changed. The brain is flexible and moldable, and, it, and you can retrain those pathways in your brain that used to go towards certain things that were not good and healthy for you. And, and you can begin to develop new habits through godly thinking, through the transformation of your mind, taking biblical truth into your mind. We need our brains to be washed, our thoughts to be washed. Hebrews 5 says this, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. What's the picture there in the book of Hebrews? Is that, is that, is that we need to grow into mature. We need to submit to this process of having the word of God wash our brain. Some of us, some of us as believers, we should be further along, but we're still on spiritual milk. Some of us should be further along, but we're still on spiritual milk. We should be on to solid food in our lives. Here's what I want to tell you. A steady diet of biblical truth is what is needed to starve out our fleshly desires and strengthen our spiritual desires. We need a steady diet of biblical truth to starve out, to choke out the fleshly desires that wage war against our soul. And we need a steady diet of biblical truth that will transform our thinking. Amen? Amen. There's no magic pill that will zap you out of this struggle. This is a lifelong battle we face as believers. You win it today, and you got to win it tomorrow. And you got to win it the next day. And you got to win it the next month, the next year. You got to win it 
in your life consistently, this battle for our thinking, this transformation of our mind. It's a, it's a, daily, it's a daily battle. It's a daily commitment. You, you guys sign up for that commitment? Here's what I want to tell you. My final point here, final thought. Don't be discouraged in the fight. Don't be discouraged in the fight. I get discouraged in the fight from time to time, do you? Sometimes I just make mistakes. Sometimes I'm just a bad husband. Sometimes I'm just a bad father. Sometimes I'm not a good pastor. Sometimes I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We all sin. We all have sins that so easily beset us, and we, we cannot be discouraged in the fight. Some of you here right now, you're, you have been tempted to give up hope in, in this. And, and, and I wanted the front end of my message to feel heavy, right? I wanted you to feel the weight that it, that it is a battle, that it is every day, and you can't be passive, but, but, but the enemy wants you to get discouraged in the battle. Because when you get discouraged in the fight and you get discouraged in the battle, what do you do? You're, you're tempted to throw, to, 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 to throw in the towel and to say, forget it, I just can't get the victory. I just can't do it. I, I, I don't have the strength, and you just want to throw in the towel. Don't be discouraged in the fight. Listen to the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote what we're studying here this morning. Listen to him. For I do not understand my own actions. You ever felt that way? I don't understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. This is the Apostle Paul saying this. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. No, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who who, who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Listen to what he says. Wretched man that I am. Wretched man that I am. Do you ever feel like a wretched man or a wretched woman? You think about this battle that you're in and you feel conflicted. Didn't the Apostle Paul feel conflicted right there? He felt a little schizophrenic. That's some schizophrenic language right there, right? It feels a little kind of off kilter there. This is the Apostle Paul. He should have it together. He should be living perfectly righteous, right? That's what we think about people who write the Bible. But it's not true. He's just like me and you. We're just like him. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And here's the answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's him. He's the one that gives us the victory. Let's go back to the text. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I highlighted the the two words there, but be. You need to be reminded. Don't be discouraged in the battle. Why? Because this is a process, but be, or it could be translated, but be continually transformed, but be continually transformed. This is a process. You're not where you need to be right now. But if you continue to flee and pursue, you continue to dig into God's word, you continue to connect with brothers and sisters in Christ, you are moving forward. You are growing in your faith. It's called progressive sanctification. You're progressively becoming conformed into the image of Christ. Be continually transformed. The renewal of our minds is a lifelong process. We need to be reminded that the renewal of our minds is a process. We need to be reminded 
that our lives being conformed to the image of Christ is a lifelong process. We don't become who we need to be all at once. When you got saved, it wasn't like, okay, job done. It was the Lord said, the Lord said, now the process is beginning. You are born again. You placed your faith in me and you're glorifying me through faith in Christ. But now I want you to glorify me through your life and how you demonstrate the power of the gospel all around you. We don't become who we need to be all at once. God is faithful to work in our lives, to correct and discipline, to teach and admonish, to build and to train. And you know what I'm sure of? You know what I'm confident in? And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Yeah, you, you, you should clap for that one. That, that's a good opportunity right there. There's a battle for our thinking. And we can't be passive in the battle. And this process of sanctification is a process and we cannot get discouraged. Why? Because if the Lord has started a work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. He's not going to give up on you when you make a mistake. In fact, he's going to be the one there to pick you up and say, hey, let me show you where you missed it, but here's where you can grow. He's going to dust off your knees. He's going to cleanse your wound. He's going to correct you if, if, if he has to. He's going to tell you, no, 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 you thought wrong here and, and, and you're offended here and, and you need to ask for forgiveness there. But he's going to walk with you. If he's committed to you, he's never going to let you go. Amen? Amen. Don't be discouraged in the fight. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. We will reap if we don't throw in the towel. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep persevering. Lean on the Lord. Trust in his word. Don't grow weary in well-doing because we will reap if we don't give up, if we don't throw in the towel. Don't, 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 don't wave the white flag or the black one either. Don't, don't, don't wave it. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. I want to read the lyrics from an old hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be. You know, this is what I think. This is our posture after a message like this. We all want to be transformed by the renewal of our mind if we're believers in Jesus. And I think it's, it's a posture of surrender that we must have. Lord, here's my heart, and I want you to take my heart. Here's my heart. Listen to the words of this hymn. It was written by Francis Ridley Havergal in 1874. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in endless praise. Take my hands, my hands, and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall no longer be mine. Take my heart. It is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord. I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only, 
all for thee. Amen. Take my heart. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart. I'm not where I need to be. I've made mistakes. But I'm trusting in you. I'm giving you my heart. I want to be all that you call me to be. And I don't want to be swept away by the current of this world. I want to be a vessel, a living sacrifice, fully usable for you. And I want my mind to be washed by the truth of your word. Here, Lord, take my heart, my desires, my dreams, my plans. Take it all, Lord. Take it all. I'm going to sing a song that talks about giving our heart to the Lord. Won't you worship the Lord with me? anything here this morning. I'm going to close in prayer in just a moment. If you need prayer about anything concerning this message, anything you're going, that's going on in your life, or, or you want to confess Jesus as the Lord of your life, maybe you came in here this morning and you haven't ever given your heart to the Lord. You can't sing that song with the sincerity of heart because you've never given Him your heart. If you want to do that this morning, I'll be in that prayer room, your prayer room around the corner there. On this side of the hallway, there's a sign on the wall there. It's going to say prayer room. I'll, I'll personally be in there after I'm done praying. There'll be other prayer counselors there. You need prayer about anything. You want to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'll, I'll be in there to, to pray with you. God, you are more than enough. You are more than enough. 
you are worthy that we'd give you all of our heart. And I thank you for the truth of your word that transforms our lives. God, I pray that we would hold nothing back, that we would surrender all. Pray that we would allow daily, Lord, this process of you transforming our minds by the truth of your word, Lord. And for those that have grown weary in well-doing, those that are discouraged in this fight over our thoughts, God, I pray that they would be encouraged today to not throw in the towel, to not give up, to continue to flee and pursue. Flee what corrupts and pursue what is right. Bless your people here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, I love you. You are dismissed.